and my fellow Pennsylvanians. This state's electoral votes are key to who wins the presidency, and both of the candidates know it. We win Pennsylvania, we win the whole deal, you know that. Just like last night. But states like Pennsylvania are going to be incredibly important. The only thing left on the board is Pennsylvania. The president cannot get to the finish line without the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. One state all four candidates are visiting today is Pennsylvania. Its 20 electoral votes are highly coveted, and the Keystone State could end up being one of the determining factors in the race. Jill's a Philly girl, but I'm a Scranton girl. I've been eager to touch base with Darren Kelly, the president of the Allegheny Fayette Central Labor Council. I gave Darren a bit of time to catch his breath, though. See, it's been a busy month. On Labor Day, he and his brothers and sisters hosted President Biden and the National Press Corps. That week, they also fanned out across the region in volunteer service, giving back to the community. Now, on a somber note, the last week of August, longtime labor leader Jack Shea passed away. Darren's caught his breath and he's going to take some time to reflect on the last month as he gears up for an incredibly busy October. He's also going to share a little of how he plans to have every union household cast a ballot this November. But first, a reminder from President Biden about the role organized labor has played in American history, a history that began in Pennsylvania. We fundamentally transformed how we live and how we work in this country. The reason we have is because of the victories won by labor. I'm going to be a bit repetitive. The eight-hour day, the weekend, you know, time and a half for overtime, safety standards, sick days, victories for all of us. Because I might add, you know, I notice when you all do that, everybody benefits, whether they belong to a union or not. Whether they belong to a union or not. Hey, Darren Kelly, welcome to my kitchen table. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for everything you've done for the community over the years. Maybe give listeners a sense of uh, your background growing up in the city of Pittsburgh and uh, as a Pittsburgh firefighter, but I don't want to give it away. So, Absolutely. It was one of my proudest moments. I am a proud city of Pittsburgh firefighter since 2000. Um, we've seen a lot of changes, but no matter what, we're proud to be part of our community. Born and raised in an area called Greenfield, a nice working class community, very union oriented. And a lot of the things that we brought forward, I learned throughout the community. And um, maybe we can just take a moment and talk a little bit more about uh, uh, Jack Shea as we reflect on his legacy. Absolutely. You know, he was the most amazing man, the most amazing mentor, someone that um, as time went on, clearly didn't need to raise his voice because he had so much respect when he even looked at you or wrote a letter. You knew he was serious. And he was someone that took time with me every day and taught me uh, a lot of the pitfalls and a lot of the things that we had to concentrate on. And I, and I still to this day take so much of advice and, and there's, there's no debt that is too much that I, I, I could give to Jack. He was such an inspiration for me and for our movement. And um, we thank him every day and we miss him. And when we talk about the labor movement in this country, I would argue for all purposes it began uh, in your hometown. But that being said, Pittsburgh's changed so much in the last 10 to 20 years. Uh, but maybe you can share a little about just reflecting, you know, when you think about back way before you or I were born, the start of the labor movement and why it's kind of instilled in the DNA of Pittsburgh and the greater Western PA uh, ethos. Absolutely. And we look back, we take before you and I, like you said, so many different generations of union members and think Pittsburgh, you know, Pittsburgh, people always talk about nationally the story of Pittsburgh and the story of Pittsburgh is 
we have to look back and remember we lost everything. We lost, you know, our industry. We lost our identity, but we didn't lose our tenacity. And I think that was the biggest thing. We never gave up. And there's a lot of cities around this country that were in our same situation that did not fight back and reimagine itself and retrain ourselves and re-envision what we want to be as a community um, like Pittsburgh did. And I think that's why we are such an inspiration as a region to so many around this country that you can you know, never give up, reinvent yourself. But we've proven it's all about the, the workers. You know, the industries will come and go. The workforce is what makes Pittsburgh so strong and makes it what it is today. Let's touch on that. You know, increasingly, we have listeners all across the country. And dare I say, some of these listeners still have these images of Pittsburgh with you know, active steel mills, uh, which there are less of. But give folks a snapshot, maybe starting with your neighborhood of Greenfield, but then the region as a whole. And what, you know, what if you were driving around, which you do often, what it's looking like, where are workers employed these days? You know, you look at, you know, you mentioned Greenfield. We, you know, we had so many of our fathers and uncles that that worked three you know that had a three different shift at the mills you know for all those years and you look around now so many of the brownfields are being redeveloped and they're being you know you look at like the eds and meds and the industry industry uh, the energy uh, energy industry and you look at a communities communities that are reinventing itself but so importantly what we have to concentrate on is that these communities are part of um, the negotiations that what we have as industries redefine themselves and companies come in from outside the area, understanding the importance of working with our neighborhoods, working with organized labor, making sure that these relationships are not just 10 years, you know, a tax abatement. We want to be there for our new generations going forward. And the only way you're successful is making sure that organized labor is part of it, our elected officials are part of it, and our communities are part of it. And we all make up a very important component. So give listeners a sense of what a typical week in a non-election zoo that the next uh, few weeks will be. But what, what is a typical week for you atop the Labor Council? Well, you know, I still work as a firefighter, I'm proud to say. You know, I'm still in, still in the firehouse, still do my shifts. But the biggest part of this Labor Council is giving the tools and the resources to all of our affiliates or whatever they would need, whether it is sitting on boards, whether it's helping with negotiations, organizing community events, which is so important to us. But the biggest thing is just being a resource for our, our affiliates, no matter how big or small, because our affiliate, our affiliates go from 6,000 people to five. You know, so each of them have needs, some are more than others, but each of them are important asks and we do everything we can to make sure that we service our affiliates every day. So some of your affiliates were on opposite sides, if we can look back, uh, in the mayor's race. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, also uh, more recently in the open congressional seat, you know, so we're now veering into politics because politics is in the air. Mm-hmm. But, you know, and I think, uh, you know, so many of our listeners, when they think of organized labor, they think of politics, but it's so much more when we think of the brotherhood and sisterhood of organized labor. But you know, if you could speak to how you kind of play Switzerland, mm-hmm. so to speak, as sometimes primary battles get a little contentious. Absolutely. And just like any family, and I know, are you just like with you, some of our most intense fights we have are with our own family, but we never forget that's what we are. And yes, you, you occasionally do have situations where affiliates are on different sides and we definitely want our affiliates to, you know, raise their opinions, tell everyone what's so important to their individuals, uh, their individual groups. But at the end of the day, once the decisions are made, we don't, you know, we expect everyone to maintain decency, which we clearly have seen as these races go more and more. 
keeping your individual voice, but understanding what's important, you know, access to health care, retirement with dignity, strong wages, strong work rules to protect the employees. They connect a carpenter to SEIU, a fire to a machinist and so on and so forth. And if we walk upon that delicate balance, at the end of the day, politics come and go. This movement's going to be here forever. All right. So we're in the final sprint. Why don't we take listeners back a bit because uh, the president of the United States came to pay a visit as he's uh, done in the past to, uh, you know, as we talked about really to the, the birthplace of organized labor on Labor Day. So if we can go behind the scenes and reflect on that. And, and I got to imagine that was also pretty emotional because it was just a few days after Jack's passing. It was. And the whole the whole Labor Day weekend, we dedicate and we do our weekend of service. You know, we started off when we, you know, postponed the parades because, you know, safety of our men and women and safety of the resident city of Pittsburgh will always be our number one concern. So we established our weekend of service. You know, two years ago, it was the the food drives together with the Greater Pittsburgh Food Bank, as long as and a park cleanup and a veterans veterans cleanup last year. You know, we did a blood drive with the American Red Cross as well as a park. So we do each of these and we decide to keep that. We dedicate this in memory of President Shea. And you had mentioned the, the president. First and foremost, you know, we all know that President Biden is no stranger to Western PA. He kicked off his presidential campaign here and he ended it here. I think that, you know, if you think about we are Joe Biden and I'm not a, I'm not afraid to say that a strong middle-class background man like Joe Biden, someone that from before he occupied the White House spoke, ate, drank the word union and did it proudly. And he knows that's the way we are here. Yes, we have different beliefs in how we get to different things, but Pittsburgh will always bleed the word union. Joe has used it and he knows he feels comfortable here. We are proud to have him. And to my knowledge, and we did a lot of some, some rehashing, the first sitting president to visit the, or any of the city of Pittsburgh um, for Labor Day. So we are proud to have him. We stand with Joe Biden and we're proud to say that. It was it was a fairly rainy day, as I recall. But uh, the parade, it was also, uh, if I recall, it was a it was a the USW headquarters outside the city it was the primary stop, correct? Yes, it was. It was what the local 2227 which is connected right by the Irvin plant, which we all know I'm down in the Mon Valley. And, you know, if you think about synonymous uh, to what Joe Biden believes, you know, this, he would rather be amongst the people. And that is a old fashioned, traditional USW local in the Mon Valley that has seen so many things come and go in the Mon Valley, but the Irvin plant's still there. It's one of the most cost effective plants anywhere in USA. We're very proud that he was there for it. And you know, as you've seen, he can he talked to every single human being there. And that was great to see a sitting president take time on Labor Day after a visit coming from Wisconsin, having the energy, got his cookies, did his thing, and, and talked to all the children, talked to the adults. And that is Joe Biden to, in his not in a nutshell. And we are proud to have him here, as well as the national AFL president and AFT president Randy and Tom Conway from the International, from yeah, USW, you know, we don't take for granted the fact that a lot of people come to our city because it's something we're very proud of. So it's something we'll never take for granted. We want to be gracious hosts, but we know that they're here because of the tenacity of the men and women of organized labor. And I'll never forget that. I, I got to ask you, were those Eden Park cookies? No, they were actually from, they were catered from one of our union, our union caterers at Linden Hall. They did the whole thing. No, it was all theirs. It was all home cooked. It was fantastic. I took a little bag with me, as did everybody else. 
but it was a, I remember going home with my, with my daughter and I, how, what a, what a perfect day it was, you know, our Labor Day parade back is a signal of, you know, it was well attended amongst our members because we forgot how great that day was and how many people were there and how excited they were. And it was, I remember looking and watching everybody come in the smiles on their faces. It was a true testament of the tenacity of our workforce, but it was truly a remembrance of where we've been. And that's when we kicked off the parade. And the moment I took to speak to the leaders was that remember where, when you take these first steps, remember where you were. And remember where we've been as a country for the past three years. You carried this country. You took us out of the darkest times. Our nurses were there, our UFCW, our building trades, our firefighters, each of you, our teachers, each of you served such an amazing lift for this country. So no matter who forgets, it's our job to remind them every day that we took this country on our back proudly and moved it ahead. And this was a symbol we're doing this and we're doing this united as a family. Amen. Yeah, I think it's important just to pause and listeners should remember that as many listeners maybe were on Zoom for the last two years or might still be on Zoom. So many men and women, fellow Americans and certainly brothers and sisters in organized labor were working round the clock in every definition of the word work. You mentioned the Mon Valley and you mentioned your members. And I just need to touch on demographic changes and voting behavior changes that have happened uh, in our mm-hmm. lifetimes there. It's these went from solid blue to quite red now. And there's a national conversation about organized uh, labor and the men and women of organized labor not necessarily being 100% lockstep with the Democratic Party. And I'm not saying that's a good thing or bad thing. I'm just saying that conversation has existed in the last few election cycles. So maybe if you could speak to that to the extent you're comfortable. Well, I'm always I'm always comfortable to answer questions like that. The most important thing is that, you know, organized labor is not a party. And yes, we are pretty much united around the Democratic Party in all aspects. But a lot of times when we're dealing with policies, things get complicated. And any time that I speak to our elected officials or a lot of our, you know, it's remember, remember what's important. We're concentrate on kitchen table aspects. You know, who takes care of your family? Who makes sure that, you know, you're safe at work, things like that. Now, some of that stuff may be complicated, but the bottom line is go and do your research. Where have you been? Who stands with the workers? Who protects you? Who's seeing to it the state doesn't go right to work? Who see to it the labor relations is set to make sure employees have a fair chance? You know, things like that. Then it gets, you know, kind of, you know, the, the questions start to get a little easier. And I am a Democrat. I'm a proud Democrat. And yes, I do have issues on occasion with some of our Democratic elected officials. That's healthy dialogue. But the true fundamental principles of what FDR came up were, you know, a strong American labor movement, protection of workers, a strong economy in the unions that play a big part of that. And I think a lot of times people confuse that nobody wants a strong business and a strong economy more than organized labor. If it's not surviving, we're not surviving. It's our duty amongst organized labor to make sure we work with our business, make them profitable. But we also want to make sure that a healthy relationship and healthy employees make a healthy company. And that's that is the American way. That's that's the way it needs to be. So any of the conversations we may have between the Republican Democratic Party, our message does not change. We want our workers protected. We want our 
you know, our policies that protect the workers brought forward. And that's where I think sometimes it gets a little confusing. But, you know, some of the dialogue we have with the Democratic Party that people may think is contentious, it is dialogue. You know, 99.9% of the time, we're going to agree with the policies. Sometimes it deals with work and we're dealing with energy. We just need to have more dialogue, dialogue, not shut it down, not back into your corners, address the issues, address the facts, and come to a conclusion that benefits not just this kind, not just the American working families, but this country as a whole. Well, I love that message. I think if Americans and their neighbors just had more dialogue, we'd be a, a more civil place. But I don't want to get philosophical. You're uh, right. But if you think about it, you're, you're right. It's for you and me, it, it's, it's dialogue. It's what democracy is. Democracy is, you know, uniting under your differences to make a, you know, a educated, I don't agree with you. And that's okay. That is America. That is democracy. Everything else is a dictatorship. Having the ability and the protection to disagree is what our country is all about. Yeah, I just need to take a moment. I, I know you're a proud graduate of Alderdice High School. I am. Uh, yeah, yeah, I have my proud shirt on there, brother. You know that. Yep, yep. So, you know, we're coming up on the four-year anniversary right down the street from Alderdice of that horrible attack at the Trio Life Synagogue. And I take a look at very, very diverse groups of Western Pennsylvanians and Pittsburghers coming together and having dialogue, uh, even now, four years later, about what it means to have a more civil community. I'm curious, talking about dialogue, so over the summer, in the fall, what are the top three issues as you're just having conversations with brothers and sisters? And let's even go down into Fayette County. I guess I'm curious also, are the issues in top three, uh, as you get in the city of Pittsburgh versus the Mon Valley versus Fayette County, what, you know, I mean, I think listeners would be curious. Well, it's it's funny. It really do, does depend on what, what unions I am speaking to. But to be honest with you, wages is always a strong thing amongst the members. And we'll talk about what I hear you know, amongst the residents when I walk as well. You know, wages, protection. What I mean by that is that as we go forward and what we just went through in the pandemic, a lot of our employees were patted on the back and said, hey, you, know, you did a great job. Okay. But it also exposed some flaws in the system. And our workers, you know, are looked at much more valued, hopefully amongst their employers. I hope they've proven that, even though we shouldn't, it shouldn't have took a pandemic to do that, is that workplace safety is a very, very, very serious thing. And each place, it defines it by where they're at. But that is a very, very serious thing. We've seen it now as far as what the pandemic show, workplace safety, wages, is a big thing because now we're starting to realize you see people are starting to unionize everywhere because they realize that, you know, the power amongst amongst the workforce itself. So wages is always strong. And, you know, issues with, you know, it's funny, supply chain issues I heard a lot about. That was funny. You know, hey, what do we do in America first? That's another thing we heard a lot about. It's time to redefine ourselves. We're talking to our steelworker brothers, sisters, our UFCW brothers and sisters, our machinist brothers and sisters. It's time to, you know, redefine America as a country when it deals with internal manufacturing, what deals with our supply chain. That was a big thing that we were hearing a lot about. And then, you know, the always the traditional, but, you know, you know, making sure that the retirement is protected and things of that nature. For listeners who might not know, food and commercial workers is UFCW. Okay, so we're in the final sprint. It is uh, early voting's uh, fast approaching. I mean, what, 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 what kind of GOTV really mechanical uh, uh, discussions are happening? Is it is it labor to labor calls? Is it labor walks? Uh, give listeners a, a sense. Combination of of all, 
and that's the you know the the member to member were proven as always the most effective work site visits labor to labor mail hitting the doors you know this you know the next couple of weeks we've rolled out our plan labor day is always the traditional kickoff for us we're excited every tuesday and thursday we do our phone banks every saturday we do our bigger our bigger walks but people are just coming in grabbing a phone pack you know we're we're very excited on where we're going because let's think about where this is not at least in my seat and with the leaders that we represent and our members this is more this is not just an election we see what's happening around the country just like everyone we look at ourselves now not just as you know the army of organized labor we're the army of what's right or wrong we're the people that can stand up when people can't we're protecting our democracy and we take that fully on our back a lot of us are veterans what happened what's happening in this country is is wrong people trying to tear it down people trying to destroy our democracy this election is not just about organized labor this election is about standing up for what's right protecting our democracy protecting our children our numbers of what we've had have almost been double and we've had another elections they know the seriousness of it and we're very excited to stand with our candidates and this I, I can't be prouder from what I'm seeing out of Western PA labor right now Thank you. So you've been super generous with your time. Final question, because you just referenced candidates. Uh, So this kind of final sprint activism, is it for uh, an entire ticket? Is it for specific campaigns? Obviously, listeners are deeply familiar with the statewide campaigns, but there's some hot races there in the Allegheny uh, County and to a degree Fayette County uh, region. It's for our endorsed candidates. We go as a ticket. You know, where we're where we're knocking at or where we're calling it that region, we'll knock for that whole list of everybody going down. It, because each each candidate has a value to this movement, or we wouldn't have endorsed them. Yes, we have, you know, Josh Shapiro and John Fetterman and Austin Davis and our congressional members of, you know, with with Chris and with Summer. Yes, have there are there are candidates, but also our down ballots as well, making sure because you know as well as I do. Majority of decisions that happen in this area happen, you know, 236 miles away in Harrisburg. And a legislator in Luzerne County has just as much say so on the issues that happen in Allegheny County as some of our other locals do. So we work hand in hand with the state AFL CIO. We work with our, we make sure that all of our candidates are taken care of and each get their equal time. And we'll be everywhere. We'll be everywhere tomorrow or the next couple of days from the North Hills to the Mon Valley. From the, we have packets going in the west side to the east side, city of Pittsburgh to the smallest suburb area. Because the bottom line, our members are everywhere, and that's what makes us such a potent force. Is that we're going to get in your community no matter where you're at. Okay, I lied. I've got one final question because they are members of a union, the NFL Players Association. So, any predictions on the Steelers' uh, prospects this season? Well, I'm always you. You know me. I will always be. The internal optimist for the Pirates, the Steelers, the Penguins, and Pitt. I don't care what they're, they're always, I am, I'm predicting, say, 10 and 7 since we added that 17 game. I'll get that. I'm worried about the injuries, but I will always be the eternal optimist. Always. 10 and 7 is good. That's a winning record. Can you All right, Darren that? Kelly, I, I, thank I you so much for your that. time and thank you for the work you're doing. Thank you, my friend. Thank you for always putting the message out there. Anytime you need me, it was a pleasure being on with you. Absolutely. Thank you.
Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Pennsylvania Kitchen Table Politics. Take a minute and leave us a rating and review on your podcast platform. Please also consider following us on social media for updates and announcements regarding future episodes and new guests. You're political, so I am sure that you're on Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram. We are too at PA Political Podcast. Visit our website, papoliticalpodcast.org, and send us your feedback about this episode and suggestions on future guests. Until next week.